0: So this is one of the biggest things that's being missed is that if you were to ground couple your cooling and store that energy in the ground, you can halve the carbon of cooling where they store the waste heat from refrigeration in the summer and use it to heat in the winter.
1: Hello and welcome to Rethink What Matters the podcast dedicated to aligning the economy with the ecology and everyone for improved business performance, stronger families, and a greener, cooler planet. And today I'm gonna be talking with Neil Lawson of lowcarbonfarming.co.uk. And we're gonna be talking about something every one of us should be using, and that's heat pumps. So yeah, great to be speaking with you about heat pumps because you know they're some kind of miracle device, aren't they? It generates something like 400% efficiency. So uh, definitely interested to learn more about that. And I went to lowcarbonfarming.co.uk, your website, and it says here, the way we produce food needs to become more sustainable and less damaging. With this in mind, the Low Carbon Farming team set out to improve greenhouse uh, heating, systems to meet this challenge and in doing so created a world first.
0: Well a little bit of background about that story Uh, it all comes from uh, walking down the river behind me one day and noticing some ducks enjoying a swim on an area that was slightly steaming which uh, got my interests going so I followed the little stream that they were on which was a little tributary into the Thames followed it up to its source and it arrived at the Oxford Sewage Treatment Works. So, uh, literally knocked on the door, asked what it was about, learned a bit more, or was invited in officially, uh, to learn a bit more about their process. And a quick fag packet calculation while I was there, uh, there was around enough heat to heat 15,000 homes just being discharged into the river. So this was a, a plentiful source of heat that uh, every city would have through its um, water recycling centers so you basically take all the the raw sewage and rainwater goes into a a sewage treatment works and it comes out as uh, clean water which is discharged into the river that clean water has um, a heat value so it's anywhere between 9 and 25 degrees centigrade depending on the time of year and that's a very abundant source of energy for a, a water source heat pump So took that idea, looked for something which was a large demand, and that was seen as greenhouses. Building them local to cities would be good for uh, food miles or transport miles rather than we currently ship things in from uh, Morocco and southern Spain. Uh, And the idea went from there. The world-first aspect of it was taking uh, waste heat from uh, clean water discharge into a river and using that in a heat pump. When I do a show or a panel discussion one of my favorite questions is hands up who's got a heat pump two or three people put their hand up and I enjoy pointing out that everyone has a heat pump it's the fridge in the kitchen that is fundamentally a heat pump
1: and I think if you put your hand behind your fridge it's pretty warm back there are there other areas other areas of industry
0: every city has a housing need Um, it has a schooling need it has a heat need. so anywhere you require uh, heat it's applicable
1: so this sounds too good to be true in a way all this heat is you know out there that's going to waste, and we can turn it into usable heat um what what's the you know what are the challenges in doing this then it's actually uh,
0: recognizing the opportunities um a heat pump in the right. heat pump cycle the refrigerant boils at minus twenty so anything that's warmer than minus twenty is a useful heat to us The warmer the better the uh the joy of the sewage treatment works was it was between 9 and 25 degrees C, so you get very efficient heat pumps. But we just need to look around us. Power stations got huge cooling towers, which are pumping out steam, although right. thermal power stations are less and less these days. Data centres are being built <clears throat> everywhere. They have to cool their uh, right. processes inside, so they do that by rejecting heat.
1: You mentioned minus 20. Anything over minus 20? it's, it's pretty much pump. everywhere, isn't it?
0: It is; hence, heat pumps work in sort of Scandinavia where their temperatures are very cold. Even an air source heat pump; it's a uh, the heat pump right. cycle is a quirk of physics. We harvest low grade heat by boiling a okay. refrigerant, turning it from a gas to a liquid, and then compressing that. So, turning it from a liquid to a gas, and then compressing that gas again back into a liquid. And the byproduct of that compression cycle is heat, which is what we harvest to do space <laughs> heating or hot water heating.
1: I need to just have a, I try and think about that a little bit more. I know you can't get, it's not possible to get some more out than you put in, no matter you know how clever the technology. How, how, what's actually happening here?
0: Well, if we talk about the efficiency and we hear words of 400% or 500%, but actually that efficiency is the ability yeah. of the heat pump to turn one kilowatt of electricity, which is used by the compressor, which is compressing, maybe three kilowatts of low-grade heat which have been harvested from the the surroundings outside around us whether it be water right. or air or, or a waste heat from somewhere else so it's one kilowatt of of electricity plus three kilowatts of uh, low-grade heat which is free and that generates four kilowatts okay. of useful heat so that's where the 400 percent efficiency comes from
1: but if you've got something that's at minus 10 what well, what can that become
0: The efficiency of a a heat pump is its ability to take the low-grade temperature and turn it into a high-grade temperature. So if, for example, you have air at minus 10, which we do in winter, um, to produce 50 degrees centigrade into your radiators, the heat pump or the compressor is having to lift it from minus 10 to plus 50. So it's a 60-degree lift. And those efficiencies will be closer to 200%. Hence the warmer our waste heat the more efficient the system
1: are there other examples you could give us of where heat pumps have been you know used to great effect um yeah
0: so we we are used to heat pumps for cooling perversely every office or building has a gas boiler for heating and a heat pump for doing cooling but that same heat pump could do both heating and cooling so they're seasonal Right. So we just have to uh, challenge the status quo or the, the norm of the building services engineers who are very used to specifying gas boilers and uh, heat pumps to make them think about air source, which can do both, or even ground source. The, the challenge with air source right. is we are venting our waste energy into the atmosphere, into the air, and waving goodbye to it. If we were to employ ground source we're capturing that waste heat and we're storing it in the ground for the opposing season. So if we use our heat pump in summer to cool down our building, and we put the waste heat into the ground, it's then there and available for winter when we want it for heating. So this is one of the biggest things that's being missed is people talk about the decarbonisation of heat because we're used to fossil fuels. But if you were to ground couple your cooling and store that energy in the ground, You can halve the carbon of cooling or the cost of cooling, which is something that's been done successfully in supermarkets such as Sainsbury's. They installed around 30 of their supermarkets with ground source heat pumps where they store the waste heat from refrigeration in the summer and use it to heat in the winter. Mm -hmm. Their biggest benefit or cost benefit was the fact that they halved their um, cooling costs.
1: Presumably it's quite an expensive exercise, though, quite capital-intensive. Maybe less easy for private residences, you know, people at home to, to implement.
0: Well, if, if we talk about the uh, the challenge and the capital expenditure, we're talking about a ground source heat pump or a water source heat pump, and your energy is very local. It could be under the house, it could be under the building, it could be in the river next door. Um, what it needs is right. investment from someone like government to start communal collectors getting together where we can share heating and cooling so we talk about district heat schemes. Right. We currently have a well, a third generation yep. district heat scheme is the burning of fossil fuels to generate heat. A fourth generation is a mixture of fossil fuels and low carbon. So a mix of a heat pump and a gas mm-hmm. boiler. A fifth generation is an ambient heat network or a condenser loop. So this is this is a, a pipe full of right. water, effectively, that could be anywhere. It could be around 10, 20 degrees centigrade and it's sufficient for people who Mm -hmm. need heat to absorb heat from it and those who need cooling to reject heat into it. So this is where you start to join the Mm -hmm. various users together and suddenly your efficiencies, if if one kilowatt of electricity into a compressor can generate four kilowatts of heat at the same time it generates three kilowatts of cooling so suddenly you've got an efficiency of 700%.
1: Right, okay. Um, So what uh, what, what are the the problems in take-up here then? Is it just that alternatives, although less efficient, are just cheaper?
0: Gas is cheap. We've had it since uh, England converted from uh, Towns Gas to North Sea Gas from the 70s onwards. So we're talking about a whole new technology. So that investment that went into the gas main and gas infrastructure now needs to be put into a communal collector or fifth generation heat network then suddenly a heat pump as right. a box will come down in price as volume right. goes up. And if we can get it to the point where we just connect okay. to the pipes in the road like a gas boiler, suddenly it's it's like for yeah. like. But that, that asset in the ground so, has a 60 plus year lifespan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we talk about uh, heat and people think of hot water or 65 degrees centigrade, and that's what we have to store. But if we were to store a load grey heat at yeah. maybe 20 degrees, that actually takes the pressure off the grid, because in winter when you need your heating right. most, your base temperature of 20 degrees is a lot warmer than your air source heat pump that's trying to harvest from something like minus eight. And thermal mass right. should be at a building level, so a building is built of bricks and water, and has a thermal mass to it. Okay. So you. That all don't need to come home and turn your heating on at six o'clock and and hit that big peak. It's now all about matching supply and demand, removing those peaks and reducing Mm. our generation costs.
1: I was uh, speaking with the university earlier today. And um, yeah, so they're looking at smart heating and distributed heating and looking at heat pumps too. And uh, they mentioned aqua heat pumps you know using the water in the ground as opposed to the ground is that a third type of heat pump or is that just ground source by another, sort of another no
0: we office? would call that a water source so if you take london for example it's built on a huge chalk aquifer so if you drill down 65 meters yeah. in central london or so you get into a big lake and actually that water level yeah. is rising and starting to threaten the underground so there have been a lot of studies on dewatering the underground And there's, as an example, there is passive cooling of Green Park tube station, which uh, are wells drilled near the tube station, extracting water from the aquifer, going through heat exchangers to cool the tube, and then discharging back into the aquifer again. There's about 1.8 megawatts worth of waste heat there that could be used by an adjoining building.
1: If we're just thinking about a company that's maybe a data centre then, what could they look for? to see if heat pumps could work for them
0: so data center probably already has a heat pump but they call it a chiller so it's currently doing their chilling and it's venting all the energy into the atmospheric air but the people who design and build data centers are very precious about a tried and tested system they're very reluctant to try something new Right. so here we need to challenge that mission
1: critical I should imagine yeah you you don't want those computers to cook yeah exactly Maybe a different
0: example then. there was there was uh, an article in the Telegraph a few days ago about due to this sudden uh, heat wave. They're having to fire up some coal fired power stations to produce enough electricity to provide people with uh, cooling as the air conditioning systems come on. Right. So going back to the example of. That's cooling, mad isn't it that's crazy. It, it, yeah. it is mad. If you had stored your waste cool from winter in the ground you could now be using it passively. And passively means you're not running a compressor, you're yeah. just running a circulation pump and bringing out water in the ground that's, say, five or six degrees centigrade, and that's more than capable of cooling a building, right. whether it be a domestic property or a, or a commercial building.
1: Right, OK. So are hot countries making good use of this then?
0: So take a, take a hot country, Dubai or somewhere like that, desert, very hot, all of their cooling is done through cooling towers they're effectively evaporating water or right. trying to discharge their heat into the atmosphere if they were to put pipes into the sea and take seawater at a deeper level they could uh, bring the cost and therefore the carbon and the energy required in their cooling way down
1: and, and so this is quite a relatively new technology is it being developed at a great rate is there a lot of investment going into heat pumps and improving the technology
0: So, in the UK, there's an aspiration to have 600,000 heat pumps installed a year by 2028. Uh, But there Mm -hmm. is no, apart from that policy and that headline, there's no uh, drive behind. Our biggest challenge today for domestic heating is the spark gap. So, the cost of electricity Mm -hmm. is more than four times the cost of gas. Therefore, your heat pump has to be more than 400% efficient. The cheapest type of heat pump is an air source, and a lot of funded systems going in are air source heat pumps. They use the boiler upgrade scheme, which is a a £5,000 grant, but it's going to cost them more to heat their homes. If they get an efficiency of 250%, it's going to cost them a third more to heat their homes. and When utility bills have gone through the roof, very few people can afford that extra currently. Mm -hmm.
1: And what about on the maintenance side of things? Is it more is it quite costly to maintain
0: uh, there are very few moving parts if you look at a layer source heat pump you have a compressor and you have a fan right.
1: yeah
0: and a uh, an expansion valve in a ground source heat pump you'll have a compressor and a circulation pump on the ground side so very few moving parts right so the, the longevity of a, a ground source heat pump is potentially 25 years an air source heat pump anywhere between 10 and 15 that depends on its uh, location is it near the seaside is the salt corroding the fins are there leaves on trees around that sort of thing
1: right okay so um it sounds like then that it's uh you know from a maintenance perspective not overly complicated or difficult to take care of everything's not buried in the ground somewhere and you've got to dig it up you know every 10 years or whatever so it's but, accessible.
0: Yes, uh, very, very accessible. In it's fact, all, one of the, all,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, one of the things about uh, uh, ground source heat pumps is very much a, a hidden and discrete technology. So it is buried in the ground, because you're just pumping a fluid around the ground.
1: Okay, okay. Um, but do, the domestic market. Uh, you mentioned there are some targets there. Um, but they're not going to be able to, I mean, people I don't have the money to buy, to buy them in, you know, and implement them at the moment. So, yeah, so there's, uh, there's definitely some work to be done, isn't there, to get people to actually start taking up heat pumps domestically.
0: Yeah, if we look at somewhere like uh, Jersey, their energy tariffs are, they have a heat pump tariff, which is 12 pence per kilowatt hour for electricity. And their gas is 18 pence per kilowatt hour. Yeah so if you look at the efficiencies if it's a 4 to 1 it's going to cost them 3 pence per kilowatt hour for their useful heat from their heat pump and if it's 18 pence for gas and it's 90% efficient it's going to be about 20 pence per kilowatt hour for uh, useful heat from their gas boiler so suddenly you can get a payback in your heat pump it's massively cheaper to run Right. right,
1: just explain the spark gap again please
0: so we look at the the cost that's a, of it's the difference
1: between the gas the gas and the electricity price i think you said
0: yeah exactly that so currently gas is uh, sorry electricity is more than four times more expensive than gas and perversely yeah. our electricity Why is it called price spark? Is, I, mean, they I don't know it's just uh a, a terminology that's been adopted
1: okay. probably right. it's the spark
0: yes exactly but perversely, our electricity price is driven by the price of gas, because we're very reliant, in our in our centralised grid, on using mm. gas peaking plant to make up the difference. And we right, also have right, the right. Uh, the yeah, green but, levies. Yeah. The green levies were put onto the electricity right. price, whereas now okay. they should be put onto gas to decarbonise.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so we've really talked a lot about how to implement and how they work and, and how applicable, how applicable they are. But uh, we're really being driven here by the environmental side of things, because you know, environmentally they're much, they're much better, aren't they? They, you know, they're not producing lots of CO2 and nitrogen. And, so what's the so environmental at, footprint like for heat pump?
0: At point of use for a heat pump, there are no emissions. You can have them in a house. There's no CO two. Mm-hmm. There's no carbon dioxide. There's no NOx, as yep. you say. Uh, there is an argument that we're yep. reliant, we're quite reliant on gas and potentially coal at the moment. So there's a very good app called Grid Carbon, which you can lo- log into, yep. and you can see what the grid carbon content mm-hmm. or the carbon content of the grid is, at an instantaneous moment in time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we need to, I think, pay more attention to the from an environmental standpoint
0: if you go back to the first months of covid there were satellites in space yeah. that could monitor c co2 and greenhouse gases and the cities were just clearing right and that's a lack of use predominantly from cars and vehicles but gas boilers are the same yeah they do produce co2
1: and, and heat pumps are you know are a big part of low carbon farming them because they're so efficient because they're taking heat which already exists using that to heat the greenhouses, if I've understood this correctly. Um, they're not, there are no carbon, there are no toxins coming out of it, no climate warming gases, CO2 and the, the rest of it. So our heat pumps and low carbon farming, these, are two, these two are made for each other, are they? They are,
0: especially in this country. A lot of our tomatoes, peppers and cucumbers are imported from Spain and Morocco and Portugal. And actually yeah. by importing from there, we're exporting drought. a drought. We have a huge, um, rainfall in this country In our two greenhouses, we, all the rain we capture off the roof, we store in reservoirs and we use to uh, water the plants. So we're not importing any water. There is actually a need for CO2 to feed the plants. For the photosynthesis cycle. Right. And we do that by using CHP gas engines, but we pump all the CO2 from the exhaust into the greenhouses to feed the plants. We mustn't forget that heat pumps also run on electricity.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, I think we have to, there have to be two separate conversations, I think. I think we have to separate the efficiency of taking the energy and converting it into whatever we want versus the sourcing of the energy, you know. So, you know, if you plug one of these heat pumps into um, a wind turbine or a solar panel, you know, then we, you know, we've got what we want. Then I think, haven't we? We've got something which is completely clean.
0: Exactly that. I mean, the the, the village where I am here, we uh, developed and built the largest hydro on the Thames in our little village, which we then crowd funded out of the local area. So we got four hundred forty kilowatts of hydro right. in the river, which runs pretty much all the time. Yeah. So we could heat and cool. And generate electricity for our village out of the river with absolute zero carbon. That's one of the best examples. Of potentially a utopia.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, that's actually you know we we need to start using this utopia world a little bit more often, you know, because we need to be heading towards a, a good vision here. How many people or houses is that looking after?
0: We're not. Sadly, we're not doing it because the electricity goes into the grid and gets lost. But on paper, there's no reason why we couldn't. Okay. So we've got. With 1,000 people, 500 houses. Actually, the uh, Sanford on Thames or the mill used to be the paper press for Oxford University. So it was a mill generating its right. power from the river.
1: There must be quite a lot of loss, though, in putting that energy into the grid. So it's got to go travel down the wires and then get sent off into various different locations. So I should imagine quite a bit of it gets lost in the process of distribution, transmission. I think it,
0: it gets used enough. locally. The biggest loss is actually we okay. sell the electricity for five and a half pence per kilowatt hour and i have to buy it 400 meters yeah. away for 34 pence per kilowatt hour so i think i suffer the biggest loss which goes right. to the uh the big
1: yes. okay <laughs> yeah well you know we want to get this message out there you know so you could do a lot more if you got more you know yourself you know and you and your business could do a lot more if you got more of that money and which, which countries are we you know, looking to for inspiration here? Or are we leading the world with this? I think you mentioned uh, Germany or Scandinavia. Or who's, who's ahead of the curve here with, I don't know, heat pumps or low-carbon farming?
0: So if we look at heat pumps, definitely Scandinavia. Their heating oil prices were at petrol right. pump prices. So they've been incentivized since the 50s to make their homes uh, efficient. Not only thermally efficient but also Mm -hmm. the use of heat pumps and electricity. So a lot of the challenges that we think are stumbling blocks they've overcome and we need to be looking to them and taking note of what they do. So we talk about the grid can't support all of these heat pumps but every house in Sweden has a 16 amp three-phase supply which is about twice the size of what we have here But on their heat pump, they have a monitor. So if the cooker's on and the freezer's on and the washing machine's on, then the heat pump holds off. For all of five, ten minutes, you're not going to see the house go cold in that time. Right. That just stops you drawing or removing the peak. So these are the sort of, this is what a smart meter should have been for. Sadly, we have installed a whole network of dumb meters.
1: Okay. But that's been corrected, I think, isn't it? Because you hear a lot about smart meters today.
0: Smart meters are good for the utilities to remotely read your bill. But they haven't taken them any further. Okay. I remember a, a Tomorrow's World All program, right. if you remember that, back in the 70s. Of course. Yep. Yeah, they, yeah. they had a program where you could have a, an intelligent meter that could uh, turn your fridge on and off, turn your freezer on and off, and your washing machine and things like that, and control what's going on with your grid. But sadly, right. that never happened.
1: So, from your perspective then Neil, in your customers and your clients and your, you know the clients that you would like to have, are there smaller budgets that you work with or uh, you know domestic? Just give us a bit of a feel who your typical clients are in.
0: So because currently we don't to
1: work with you after this point.
0: Yeah, currently we don't have a typical client. We work from domestic all the way up to uh, commercial. We, currently there's a lot of uh, investment in the public sector decarbonisation scheme. Uh, we're involved with that. We uh, mm-hmm. work as assessors for Salix, so we review the bids. We also do feasibility studies for clients, and we'll do detailed design for contractors. One of the, the gaps I identified in the market was there are a lot of people out there who can weld pipe, fit pipe, drill holes, and things like that. But what was really missing is the in-depth knowledge of applying a heat pump. So we have a, a design team of seven right. engineers who are probably the most experienced in terms of years within the country and have a, a huge not only do we design mm-hmm. but we have experience of installation, commissioning, operating, running and servicing heat pumps. So okay. happy to talk okay. to anyone who is considering right. their energy, has heating loads and cooling loads, right. and is serious about uh doing something, not just uh offsetting and uh, buying a bit of forestry in the Amazon.
1: Yeah, I know this whole offsetting thing is, yeah, we've got to um, try and not offset, basically. Um, or offset as little as possible, haven't we? Brilliant. All right, I really appreciate your time, Neil, on this um, podcast. It's been really insightful. We've learned a lot. If uh, somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Where should they go? Which Should they go to lowcarbonfarming.co.uk?
0: Or uh, Design? or geoenergy.co.uk.
1: Once again, thanks very much, Neil.
0: No problem. Thank you for giving me the opportunity.